Anybody over scheduled in the house? Anybody always running late? Never can be there on time. Got all these reasons, all these excuses, all this stuff going on. Uh, God, we stop before you, acknowledging many of us uh, that our lives are kind of out of control. Uh, time moves too quickly. Our calendars are jam crammed. Uh, we feel overscheduled. And we're in a little help. So we ask God as we open your word and we, that we would open our minds and hearts and you would speak a fresh word. Uh, you would give us some direction, help clear up some of the confusion, and to help us to see a path of how we can schedule our days uh, that honors you and our lives are a little more full. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you're new this weekend, I want, I want to welcome you again and say glad that you're here. Those, if you're in the sanctuary, whether you're at True Worth or online, I know we have a lot of folks who are more and more joining us online from different places around the state, even around the country. And I want to say thank you for joining. Please kind of check in and say hello while, while you're doing that. Let us know so we can connect with you in a meaningful way. And here in the house, if you're new, I would love to meet you. After worship, I'll be out in the crossing afterwards. Just kind of say a short hello. I would really appreciate the opportunity to do that. Uh, if you are new, you caught us in the third week of a message series that we are calling Drained. And here's kind of what we've done thus far. We are trying to expunge three words out of our vocabulary. I hear them all the time from folks. You say them, we say them. Uh, I am overwhelmed, I am uh, overscheduled, and I am exhausted. In the first two weeks, we were really dealing with the exhaustion issue. And what we did was we drew a little bucket. It's the bucket of life. We all have one life, uh, one bucket. And this is our energy of our life, spiritual energy, relational, physical, mental, all that sort of stuff. And we kind of concluded two big things, that this is where you want to live. You want to live on full. Because when you live on full, when you're close to God and you're taking care of your health, you're eating right, you're sleeping well, uh, when you're on full, uh, you're at your best. You pray your best prayers. You feel in sync with God. You're more at peace. Uh, the relationships around you are better. Life is just better when you're living up here. But we also acknowledge that many of us, we're drained. I mean, we live down here at the very bottom of the bucket. And so many times, and we live on empty. And when we're on empty, we know we're not pleasant to be around. And sometimes the people around us, they know we're drained before we are. In fact, they can tell you. I mean, they, whoa, they make observations. You go, oh, this is not good. And we kind of concluded that if I'm, I'm going to stop living here, then I have to take responsibility for my life. That I am the one, I have to come up with these replenishing streams, these, these activities, relationships in my life that are going to fill me up because I don't want to live, but I want to live somewhere in here. We're all going to have stuff that drains us. But when you get down here, it is so hard to recover. It's hard. And so, man, you want to have a margin, so i got to have intake coming in because they keep me from draining. Now, that took me two weekends to teach. I just did it in two minutes. Uh, you're going, darn, I didn't have to come the first two weeks. I could have just showed up now, and it happened. Uh, we, we are doing something different this morning. We're dealing with the time issue of being overscheduled. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to draw. These are just days of a week. Uh, I know there are... 
about seven days in a week. I think all I can get on here are about six of these, and I know I'm not an artist, so I appreciate you not holding me accountable for that lack of giftedness uh, or counting. But these are days of a week. And I will tell you that I am overscheduled is a chronic complaint of Pathway Peeps. We hear it around here all the time. I'm overscheduled. Too much to do. Can't get it all done. Not enough time. And it makes me wonder, why? Why are so many of us overscheduled, drained because of our calendars? I know this affects us, and this congregation here, uh, Pathway Church, uh, and I know this, about a third of you are really impacted by this, because about a third of you, uh, you can't even get to worship on time. And I say that with a little tongue in my cheek and a little smile. You know, I, I, I know. And uh, sometimes I wonder if there's not a conspiracy going on. You have a conspiracy. That you text each other and email each other. Because I notice some of you are not late every weekend because you kind of take turns. And I think you kind of text each other and say, hey, I tell you what. Hey, we'll be on time this week and we'll cover for you. You sleep in a little bit longer. You go buy Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks and bring the coffee. And next week we'll do that. You kind of take turns. Do you do that? Anyway, just wondering. Now, we're going to talk about this issue just a little bit, but I'm going to wait till later on in the message because I know in the sanctuary there's still people coming because you don't think I can see, but I can see <laughs> that you think that you show up there. So we're, we're, we're just going to wait and deal with this a little, little bit later, we'll, and, and we'll get back to the subject. Uh, several years ago, I had to come to a conclusion. Here's my conclusion. My name is Rick. I'm a workaholic. And my wife called me on it. We wound up going to marital counseling. Our marriage was in a rough spot. I wound up having my own conversations with the counselor, Christian counselor. And he said, you know, Rick, when someone gets serious, I mean really serious about their faith in Jesus Christ, they think differently about their time. Brought out the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, took a little time on three verses. We'll put it on the screen. Be very careful then how you live. Careful. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, or making the most of the time that you have. The days are evil. Uh, don't be foolish. Know what the Lord's will is for your life. Hmm. Interesting. So he talked about this, and he asked me a question. It's a question that kind of rocked me, and here was the question. He said, Rick, what would your schedule look like if God was in charge of your time? He walked out, and session was over. I leave, go to a little coffee shop, have my journal with me. I'm debriefing the conversation for my session I actually write that down in my journal. I ask you to write it down, number one, in your message notes. What would my schedule look like if God 
was in charge of my time. If you say he's the Lord of your life, that means he's even the Lord over your schedule. How you manage your time. Now, when that question was raised to me, I will tell you, I had never hardly, I had not thought about that question, I mean, at all. I thought about it a lot since then. I mean, I thought about it a whole lot. In fact, I think about it every week, almost every day, probably, almost. And I've done a lot of study about the scriptures, about how Jesus managed his time. I would encourage you to do that sometime. Just go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and notice how Jesus, how he managed his days and his time. I studied some world leaders about this subject matter. Uh, did you know that Winston Churchill, he woke up every morning at 7 a.m., did not get out of bed till 12 noon. He worked from his bed for the first four to five hours of the day. Uh, did you know that Leonardo da Vinci, he never slept all night. He didn't do eight-hour increments. He felt he could survive more two hours at a time. He would do like two-hour naps, two-hour naps, two-hour naps, two-hour naps. Uh, you go out and study people who just made a difference in this world. Disciples of Jesus, kingdom builders, and leaders of the world. They all figured out a schedule for their lives that worked for them. So that begs me to ask you the question, is your schedule working for you? Is it really? Now, some of you right now, I'm clairvoyant, and I'm going to, I know some of you are thinking right now, okay, I got invited to church, and I came to church this morning for the very first time, and I'm here, I'm in worship, I'm watching online for the first time, and I just knew that I was going to come and hear about something that had a little more substance, a little more meat, than just talking about how we arrange our time on the calendar. But what if I told you that how you carefully arrange how you spend your time on any given day is one of the most holiest endeavors you will ever attempt? What if I told you that you learning how to redraft how you schedule your life is equivalent to rewriting the final chapter, the ending story of what your life is going to look like. What, what if I was able to convince you that how you structure your life in your days is going to determine who you're going to become as a man, as a woman, as a parent, as a spouse, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure some of you are convinced of this, but I will tell you to the core of my being, I believe when you sit down to write out your calendar, you are making choices that are going to impact your future. Huge ramifications for your life. Here's what God is teaching me, number two in your message notes. That a God first, God being in charge, God being in charge of my time, God the foundation of my schedule is not about what I have to get done. It's about who I want to become. Now think about it. How do you sit down and plan out your week? 
I think most of us are the same. What are the things I have to get done? Like, what do I have to do? Where do I have to be at what time uh, to keep my job, <laughs> right? Uh, what do I have to do? Where do I have to be so CPS doesn't come and pick up me and the kids because I wasn't there on time for soccer practice, right? And I'm a negligent parent. They're going to call the kids off and all that sort of stuff, you know? I, I think that's how most of us start off. That's the way I did much of my life through high school to get everything done, the homework done, through college and working three jobs and to pay for it, uh, going through seminary, pastoring this little growing church. That's the way I did it too until a little four-year-old boy asked me a question. He's now a man. Uh, he didn't ask it out of anger. He didn't ask it out of frustration. He was just curious. I'm about to leave the house again to go to a meeting. And he says, hey, Daddy, are you going to be gone again tonight? Only nine words rocked me. Daddy, are you going to be gone again tonight? So little four-year-old Jacob and three-year-old James, uh, they walk with me, toddle with me as I go to the car. Justin's 13. He's already in his bedroom. Oh, yeah, Dad's going to be gone again tonight. What else is new? Right? The four-year-old and the three-year-old, they walk me out to the car, the garage. I give them a hug. They give me a hug. I get in the car. I drive off again. I see them in my mirror. And I'm asking myself, Okay, why am I going to be gone again tonight? I'm driving to the church. And the answer is easy. It's really easy. Because the meeting was on my schedule. Last night's meeting was on my schedule. Tomorrow night's meeting, it's also on my schedule. And it wouldn't be on my schedule unless it was important, right? But as I'm going to the meeting... And I'm driving, this tension's building up within me. And I didn't feel like things were right. And I started asking myself all sorts of questions. Uh, should my schedule uh, have stuff on it that are non-work issues? In other words, should my schedule be more holistic? Not just about logistics and work and things I have to accomplish on my job. Should it have a, a bigger perspective? Should my schedule be bigger than that? Uh, just being here and being there. Uh, another way it kind of kicked me in the gut when I thought about this, uh, how much influence does God have over my schedule? Do I pray? Do I ask for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit before I put stuff down on where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do? Now, when, when, I, when, I, when I tell you this, this is big, I'm telling you this is big because when I got home that night, I walked into the house. Again, everybody's in bed asleep. Again. So I walk into the bedroom, all three of my boys individually, put my hands upon them and prayed a blessing. But the question that was asked by Jacob is still haunting me. I go and get my journal. I sit down in the bathroom that separated their two bedrooms. 
and I'm praying, just kind of sitting there reflecting. I can't sleep. I'm bothered. And finally, God just put this question upon me, and I write it down in my journal. What amount, what, what amount of investment of time do I have to commit to to be a great dad? What amount of time do I have to invest to be not an average dad, not a dad that barely shows up every once in a while, but a great dad? And just as clear as I'm speaking right now, you can hear my voice. I sense the Holy Spirit just strongly in my gut says, Rick, you need to be home four nights a week for a while. When the kids get older, you can change that. But four nights a week. And boy, I I was convicted that I didn't care what any other dad said. He could do it in one night or two nights. I didn't care. And I wrote down on my schedule four words, one word, four times. Home. 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 I am going to be home on these nights. And those four words were just as powerful, had just as much authority as any meeting I was expected to attend. And when I did that, in my mind, I'm going, you're kidding me, really. I can simply put four words on a calendar. They have supernatural power that if I do exactly what this says, it's going to change the destiny of three little boys. Generational ramifications. Doing this. So when I tell you that you getting this right is big, I'm telling you it's big, hawking big. Getting this scheduling thing right in your life has eternal ramifications for many of you. And changing your family tree. I can tell by some of you still, you still don't get it. I'm going to try to help you. Because I know some of you are going to walk out of here, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit down. What do I have to get done this week, this month? And then you're going to go, God, just give me the grit to get through it. Help me get past this 30 days. Let me just get through it. And I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. In your notes, number three. Instead of just sitting down and doing it that way, God ask God, who do you want me to become? Who do I need to become in the next season of my life? Not just what I have to get done in the next 30 days, but who do I want and need to become? I'm going to try to help you with this a little bit. First of all, kind of light so we're not so heavy here because I know that some of you are going, whoa, here. Um, young man in his church decided he wanted to be a pilot when he grew up. He wanted to become a pilot. So 
he put on his calendar once a week flying lessons. Hour and a half, maybe two sometime. Six months, seven months, eight months, I don't know exactly the time. Took the test, became a pilot. Now he works for commercial airlines. Life totally changed because put something on the calendar and he did what he said he was going to do. Years ago, a man in this church had a hard time reading. He could read, but couldn't comprehend much. His comprehension was small. He applied to a community college. Could not even be accepted by a community college. Called me and said, Pastor, I need some help. Started giving him basic books to read. He would read them. Instead of watching TV, he had on his calendar to read. Put it on my calendar, his calendar, twice a month, come to my office to talk about comprehension and to learn what he, to kind of recall what he had read. Today, he owns several companies. He's a multimillionaire. Because he put something on a calendar and lived it out. Another man in his church uh, had a good job. Uh, stressful job. Uh, but wasn't working for him. Wanted to be a lawyer. So he put night class. Couldn't quit the job. Put night class on the calendar. Night class. For five years. Nice lawyer. Loves it. He became what God he felt had called him to become. John Grisham. Anybody heard of John Grisham? Famous novelist, right? Did you know? That he was a serious follower of Jesus? Did you know he's very active in his church, very generous, serves in his church, just like many of you sitting right here? He's probably in worship right now. Did you know that he hated being a lawyer? He hated his job, couldn't stand his job. He wanted to be an author. He didn't know how to be an author, he had no clue. You know what he did? He showed up at work on his calendar 60 minutes early. Every morning, he would show up 60 minutes early at his desk, and he forced himself to write a whole page day after day after day after day after day and today. Several years ago, there was a man coming to this church only because his daughter came. He was a single dad. His daughter comes to worship to here. He wanted to see what it was like. He didn't really believe in God much, confused about the Bible. He would stop and always say hello to me. And uh, say, I, I, I'm coming, but I don't get the Bible stuff and all the God, church stuff and everything. I said, I'll tell you what. I got, I'll, he would always stop and say, what, you got a calendar? Now, this is before smartphones, so some of you go, what do you do? It actually was paper that's 
together and has lines on it and you open it up and you write with a pencil or pen on it. He takes it out of his pocket. He says, I want you to write something down on your calendar. Sunday nights, two words, inquire series. Four o'clock to class that I used to teach. Now we call it Pathfinders. It's only one class, but I taught it. Four Sunday nights in a row, four o'clock, be there. He said, my pastor, that's a huge commitment. I mean, I'm going to miss the cowboy game some. I said, yeah. I said, tell you what, being a single dad is a big commitment. Eternity is a big commitment. Figuring this stuff out. Hey, if you don't want to figure it out, okay. But if you want to figure it out, put it on your calendar and come to the class. Hey, we'll have fun. We'll have round tables. There'll be snacks and food for you to be a part. Some of you probably came to that inquiry series when I, when I taught it. And uh, so he came all four times. He was on his calendar. Weeks later, I hadn't seen him in a while. He, he shows up after worship, and he says, he, he asked a question that every pastor of churches that have more than one worship service loves. He came up to me and said, hey, pastor, do you remember me? I'm trying. <laughs> Help me. Oh, yeah, I'm the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, I, you put the inquiry series thing on your calendar for, and you did it, didn't you? He said, yeah, I did. Well, tell me what it was like. He said, well, I came the first time, and I was the only single person there. And I thought, I don't fit. But I put it on my calendar. I told you I was going to be there, and it was down, inquire series, inquire series. I had it on my calendar. So I said, I got to come. So I went, came. And then on the very last night, you challenged us to come to worship six weeks in a row. I said, okay, I put it on. I came, I came six weeks in a row, and the very last weekend, that very last time, man, it was in worship. It's like God, God was real to me, and I feel like God really loves me. The light came on, and he looked at me and said, Pastor, will you baptize me? Eternity changed. Relationship with his daughter changed. How he chose to live his life for the rest of his life on planet Earth changed. All because I put four times on a calendar inquire series and he did it. He became something totally different. Hmm. Last weekend, I heard from many of you who talked about how uh, uh, this bucket thing, man, just kind of spoke to you. I mean, man, the bucket thing, man, that kind of makes sense to me. Man, in fact, some were gushing with comments and text and email. Man, I think that's probably the best message you ever preached and blah, 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 blah. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, kind of over the top. And this one guy was going over the top with it, and he said, and I almost missed it. And it's a guy I kind of know kind of well. And he's going, oh, I mean, I almost missed it. Man, I almost didn't come. I would have hated it, you know. And I said, man, well, what do you mean you almost missed it? Well, that morning, uh, I would have hated if I missed it, but, man, we got up that morning, and, and I turned to my wife, and I said, do you want to come to worship? And, and she said, I don't know. Do you want to come to worship? And, we, and I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on here. It's a friend of mine, so I could do this. I, got, I really sarcastically kind of gave him a hard time. I said, you mean, well, you mean to tell me you don't have worship on your calendar? You mean to tell me you wake up on Sunday mornings and y'all flip a coin? We're going to worship. We're not going to worship. We're going to worship. Hey, hey, hey you want to go to Starbucks or you want to go to worship? Hey, you want to sleep in? You want to rest a while? What, what, what do you want to do? I mean, you mean to tell me you don't have worship on your calendar? 
And there's a little, I think probably around six-year-old boy standing right there in the family. And when I said that, he went, nope. <laughs> nope, we don't have it on our counter. Sometimes mom asks me, sometimes dad asks me, sometimes we come, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we go out to eat, sometimes we stay up real late and just sleep in till noon. You know, I nope, not on our counter. He added his whole family. He's probably still in timeout. He won't have a car till he's 30. <laughs> I know the family. <laughs> and uh, Luke 4, 16. Jesus, it says, went to the synagogue for worship as was his custom. It was on his calendar. And I'm just going to suggest to anybody here, anybody watching online or whatever in the sanctuary, true word, that if you're someone who really wants to figure this faith thing out and you want to know who Jesus is or you want to become more like Jesus, love like Jesus, live like Jesus, there are probably a few things you want to have on your calendar if that's who you want to become. And I'm just going to suggest that worship is one of them. And another one, if I had to reduce it down just to two, and I'm going to do that for time purposes. I know I've been bringing this up often. I brought it up last week, and I'm bringing it up again. Remember that little 15 minutes of time I challenge you to have every single day of your life, that you have 15 minutes that you sit down and meet with God, and you open up your Bible, and you yourself read the Bible, the life step on the back of your message notes or something, or you get a devotion somewhere, and you kind of say, spend 15 minutes and say, God, okay, God, this is me. I just thank you for loving me and your care. And God, if you want to whisper something to me, I'm open to it. I'm listening. I'll obey. And when you hear it, you write it down in your journal. I got a question for you. Do you have that little 15 minutes on every day somewhere on your calendar as an appointment? Do you want to become more like Jesus? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? Uh, I know a man in this church, known him for a long time, uh, always, is, always is, feels bad. Physically, he always feels bad. He just always complained about his health. Always just, uh, he said, you know what? Man, when I was in high school and college, I was ripped. Man, I was big. I was strong. I could do this and I could do that. Blah, blah. But, but now I'm nothing but a slow slug. Now I can do nothing, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'll whine and everything. But somebody got a hold of him. It wasn't me. But somebody did, because last spring, he put on his calendar three times a week, W-O, workout, workout, workout. Been doing it since the spring. He's 40 pounds lighter. He says, I feel better than I have felt in 20 years. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? Some of you, I know, uh, you were born into financial hell. You were born into a family that was nothing but financial chaos. Uh, you grew up not knowing how to manage money. 
You get married. You married someone who knew how to manage money, had different ideas about money. You're always in debt. You can't pay your bills. You're robbing from here to do that. There's a chaos. You never can have the freedom to do anything. You always feel the pressure of being overwhelmed. There's something you need to put on your calendar. In January, we're going to have a class called Crown Ministry. I'm going to put it on there, CM. CM, Crown Ministries. It's uh, Sunday nights, 4 o'clock probably. 10 classes, 90 minutes. 10 classes, 90 minutes. We have had hundreds of success stories of people who've gone through these classes. It's totally transformed their whole lives, their whole family. But you have to decide who you want to become. Do you want to become at peace with money and stop living behind the eight ball the whole time? Or do you want to stay? And if you want to become, you got to put it on your calendar and show up. Commit to it. Go to the next steps area this morning. You can say, hey, I'm interested in that, in, that, in that crown. Just go to the Welcome Center. Say, hey, I'm interested in that crown ministry class. They'll get your name down. They'll follow up with you and let you know when, when, when it comes around. Now, I know some of you all, you're thinking right now. You're thinking, okay, uh, Pastor, you're making this seem so magical. You just put it up here on the counter, and it's just going to happen. Right? Yeah, right. I know that's what some of you are thinking. I'm, I, I'm telling you, I'm clairvoyant. I can tell what you're thinking. So I get a phone call from a married couple. They live out of state. They used to be here. I presided at their wedding. Been married 15 years. They called me out of respect because I presided at their wedding to tell me they're getting done. They're getting. They're married. They're done. They're getting divorced. They're done. 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 I said, "What are you talking about? You can't be done. You got three kids. They're awesome. Uh, you can't be done. No. No. We're done. Man, I keep them on the phone as long as I can." I'm just trying to find something to say, something to say. I kind of throw a Hail Mary out there, kind of <gasps> just hoping they grab hold of something. I said, tell you what, y'all been married 15 years, right? Yeah. I said, if I found a marriage counselor where you live, will you commit to go one year for every year you be married? Go 15 times for one hour with a Christian marriage counselor. Will you do that? Oh, man, I don't think so. Please, for the sake of your kids, will you do it? Okay, we will. Okay. They went three times. And they quit. And now they're divorced. Now, maybe they would have been divorced anyway. Maybe. Stuff happens. Things are going on. I know that. I'm not the judge. I'm not condemning. I'm just, I, but I just wish they would have gone the full 15 times. Because I think as adults, it's our job to fight for the well-being of kids. To fight. To make it as best we can for the sake of the kids, if nothing else. I just think kids, the scripture says, are worth fighting for. And here's what I know. We have a lot of deliriously happy married couples in this church. I mean, we've got a lot of deliriously happily married people. Sometimes they almost make me sick. They're so deliriously happy. And I'll go up to them and I'll, say, I'll go to the woman and I'll say, how have you stayed married to this guy this long and you're still happy? I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, how? 
And um, you know what I'd hear over and over and over again? We have a date night on our calendar. Uh, and they tell me where they go, how often they go, because they want to become deliriously happy in their marriage. Who do you want to become? Now, I'm going to meddle here just a little bit. Permission to meddle? Can I meddle? I'm going to meddle. I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm going to meddle here a little bit. Um, considering your work life, your work life, when you said yes to employment wherever you work, you said, I'm going to abide by your expectations in the code of conduct. And in most places, when you show up for work, right, 8 o'clock, or have a, have a start time and an ending time and a lunch time. Jesus puts it this way, Matthew 5, 37. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, if the beginning time is 8 o'clock, please don't roll in at 8.05. And if lunch is an hour, don't stretch it out to an hour and a half. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I was visiting with a community leader uh, who has several businesses, and we're talking, and I've been trying to influence him for Christ and have a relationship with him, and I'm just really a great guy. I really enjoy the relationship. And one day he said, hey, listen, I, I told my HR guy to hire as many Mormons as he could. I said, man, I've been talking to you about Christ, and here you are trying to tell me you're going to hire all these Mormons. I said, okay, tell me, why are you going to hire these Mormons? I, I told him to hire all the Mormons that you could because they show up for work on time. They don't steal. They have a great attitude. Uh, and they always show up sober. <laughs> you know what I wish you would have said? Hey, HR guy, I want you to hire all those Christians, people who like going to Pathway Church. Because they always show up on time. And they don't steal from us. And they work hard, have a good attitude. And they stay sober. One more thing here about this thing. Uh, here at Pathway Church, we have a session. And your church meets once a month. Session meetings start at 617. That's an interesting number. 617. They don't start at 615 or 618. They start at 617. And the door closes at 617. We begin the meeting. Same way at 9 o'clock. Our staff meetings on Tuesday morning, they start at 9 o'clock. They start at 9 o'clock. Not... 8.55, not 9.05, but 9 o'clock. And we just kind of close the door and we start the meeting. And if somebody shows up and they're late, they don't have to be get all embarrassed. They're going to say, well, how come you're late? They just say, hey, I'm sorry. They sit down and off you go. I'm sure this is true in many of your workplaces. You have meetings and scheduled time to be there for things to start. And, but if somebody shows up three and four and five and six times late, we begin to realize it's not just carelessness because we do know. Stop by a train, right? right. Got a phone call. But if it continues to happen, it's not carelessness, it's character. And you don't respect the time of the other people that are there for the meeting. And so we just have a conversation because character matters. As a follower of Jesus Christ, character matters. Now, can I just say, in case you haven't noticed, we start all of our worship services on time. 
because we publish our worship services. People know when they start. We want our yes to be yes and our no to be no. So our 1025 worship service starts at 1025. I just thought I'd just kind of let you know that. Okay? <laughs> just in case you didn't know. The 1025 service starts at 1025. And, you know, just kind of make a little observation. Just kind of, this is the only point I want to make. This is it. This is it is that when you come to an event, you're invited to an event to honor someone. It's honoring to honor that person by being there on time, right? I was, I was invited to a friend who, who was being, getting this accolade and kind of being kind of awarded this, this kind of stuff for accomplishment stuff. And a friend said, hey, let's go together. Great. And he was going to be late. And I said, listen, I'm not going to be late to an event to honor our friend. It wouldn't be honoring to get there late. So I'm going to go ahead and go. I'll meet you there. And here's my point, very simple. When we come to worship, we come to honor Jesus. And I just think sometimes we don't think, think about the ramifications of what it is to honor Jesus by how we think about it. Now, I know stuff happens. I know what you're thinking right now. But, Pastor, the kid really did spit up in the car. I mean, the dogs got out of the house and ran down the road. It took forever to get on the wheel. The train, that train in person, it always comes by at the wrong time. I know that happens. Not talking about that. Yes, that's all that stuff. Here's what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to think about, just think about next week, as you think about coming to worship, that you think about the one that we're honoring. And they, hey, what, what do we have to do to arrange our lives? Five minutes, ten minutes. Hey, and if you get here early, it's okay. It's, I know what some of you are thinking. The parking lot. The parking lot. You can't even get into the place. your fault. It's your fault. Yeah, I know. Sometimes that happens. I'm just saying, to think about it. That's all. And I know I'm clairvoyant. I know some of you are thinking right now, what about ending times? <laughs> what about ending times? We don't publish our ending times. <laughs> if we published them, we'd have to end on time. We're never going to publish an ending time. I'm, I'm just saying. Just, and if some of you are going right now, is this service, is this message ever going to end? I saw you look at your watch. Is this ever going to end? Only God knows. <laughs> and when God tells me, I'll tell you. <laughs> and he's telling me. Yeah, we're about there, so I'm going to try to bring this together. If you just, just one story, I'm hoping this last little thing would help somebody understand the importance of how you manage your time and not be so crazy with your schedule. Uh, years ago, a young man, a man come here only to worship because his wife pressured him. He didn't want to come. He was pressured by his wife. And so he came. And boy, <laughs> Uh, out of the blue, God got a hold of him. <laughs> I mean, God messed him up in a good way. I mean, God got a hold of him. And he came and told me. And <laughs> I started giving him books to read. His mind started expanding. His heart started getting bigger for people and everything like that. It was just amazing what was happening in his life. And we got baptized and everything. And 
uh, you know, not too long after that, he comes to me, hey, pastor, 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 I memorized my first Bible verse. He was so proud. Oh, tell it to me. He said, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I said, man, that's pretty cool. I said, now, are you, are you just going to memorize that thing and quote it and brag about it? you know it, or are you going to think about living it? He went, oh. <laughs> I never thought of that. How would you do that? I said, well, you know, here, here's an idea. What about if you get your calendar? And you put all the God, seek God first in your calendar. And he said, hold on, I, I got a business to run. I got all this stuff to do. How would you do that? Hey, listen, we all have stuff to do. I have stuff to do. You have, we all have stuff to do. Here's what I'm saying. I'm just saying put the God stuff first. Put in who you want to become first. And then add all the other stuff in as you can, but do this First, seek him first in your time. And boy, howdy, he did. He did. He got excited about who he wanted to become. He wanted to become a Christ-centered, godly man. And the first thing he did on his calendar was make some repair work with his wife because he and his wife were in bad shape. And so I got to repair my, that was the primary focus, repairing his marriage. And then it was repairing the kids because he never went on family vacation. He never took off work to go with the kids on family vacation. He got that right. Then he joined a men's Bible study, and that rocked his world. He started studying the Bible more. Then he found a place he started serving and everything. I mean, off the chain. He's just growing. Life is good. Then he comes in and he tells me, two years later, diagnosed with cancer. Hourglass flips so quickly, and he doesn't live much longer. I do his funeral. Before his funeral, he and I have several conversations, and he had a great attitude. He, he just kind of accepted it. And one day in our visit, gravelly voice, you know, from all the treatment and all the medicine, he said, hey, Rick, I got the last two years of my life right, didn't I? Didn't I? You know how he did it? By words on a calendar of who he wanted to become. And he did it. Anybody guess what your homework assignment this week is? It's on the back of your life steps is a reminder work your life steps, to redraft your calendar, to start over, God first, this week coming up, yeah, I got places to be, I got to do there, but God first, who do I want to become in the next week, next season of my life? That's the challenge. It's not going to be easy. Maybe some of you, uh, you got to put work out because, man, you just, you've been putting it off. Oh, I'm going to wait till January. Why are you going to wait till January? 
work out. If it's the most pressing thing, work out, work out, work out. Put it on your calendar and do it. Maybe some of you got to put Crown Ministry on January. We're going to get the financial thing right in our life. We are going to stop in this endless cycle of being overwhelmed by money. Some of you, it's, it's, it's not inquiry series. We now call it Pathfinders. I need to sort out this God thing. I need to figure it out. I need a plan to, do I believe? Do I not believe? Why? And maybe some of you, dads, home. Home, home, home. Your kids are small. You need to be home. I don't know what you need to do. I'm just asking you to ask the questions and stop being so overscheduled and running. It's got to stop. And only you can do it. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Closing prayer. ask you to stand. And very gently, I just want to remind you that next week, the 1025 service will start. 1045. I'm just telling you, I know some of you like the 1045 service. <laughs> In the sanctuary, I know you do. I know you do. I'm telling you the 1025 service, it's incredible. I mean, it's really, I got to stop because I got to keep going. I'm going to sin. So, so, so God, uh, what a privilege. That your sons and your daughters would put some of their time to assemble in worship and we could think about this thing called life and we're just reminded God how short life is and God some of us were squandering it we're just rushing 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 with no thought God with no thought to who we're becoming so I pray, God, this week, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will speak wisdom, you will speak hope, you will speak life into your sons and daughters. They sit down to the sacred act of planning their week. And you would help them become who you created them to be in your time.